are again, church. Another Daily Hope. Thanks for joining us. Today we're diving into 2 Kings chapter 10. And thank you, Jennifer All, for your wonderful devotional yesterday, which began the story of the newly anointed King Jehu. Elisha, the new prophet, the protege of Elijah, has sent one of his, uh, his aides to anoint King Jehu. And we see King Jehu set out on his quest with a divine burden and command from God to rid the land of King Ahab and his household. It's a tough story. Because we saw a lot of bloodshed in the last chapter, and it just continues and actually multiplies in this chapter. Not only we've seen Jezebel and King Ahab die, but we see, we see Jehu kill all 70 of Ahab's sons. And not only that, he, he then kills all of Ahab's friends and advisors and priests. And it's just, it's painful. And, and why? Well, I think there's actually an, an important lesson there. Asking this question, why so much bloodshed? Well, see, the, the sin of Ahab and, and his wife Jezebel was that they opened wide the gates for a foreign alliance that was aimed at building wealth and power, okay? So they placed their trust in accumulating that. But more importantly, they firmly established throughout the land and in the center of Israel, worship and a temple for the the false god Baal. So the second half of this chapter, chapter 10, we actually see Jehu round up all of the uh, prophets of Baal. And he pretends to be one of them, pretends to be a worshiper of them, gets them all into Baal's temple, and then has them all slaughtered. And then he and his men, they, they throw down the idol stone Baal. They, they burn it, they tear down the temple, and it says that till this day, the people use it as a latrine, an insult to injury. Now, why? Why all of this? Well, you have to remember, we have to remember that God, Yahweh, is a a God of the covenant that he made with Israel. And the the covenant he made with them was that he would be their God and they would be his people. And he would protect them. He would protect their identity so that they could be a blessing to the nations. Well, if a, a people loses their identity, it needs to be restored. That's something that you and I actually have to deal with. Um, constantly in our lives. See, if you, if you pause and you ask, okay, what's an idol? Well, an idol is anything, anything that we have given our hearts and our devotion, our time and our energy to. But it's also more than that. It's something from which we derive a sense of identity and security. So using, those, using those, that rubric there, look around your life. What might be an idol? I know I've, I've talked about this before, and I love when I, I read the term idol to think of habits or potentially addictions, because that's, that's actually how idols often function. They start out at this little thing, and then they grow and they grow and they grow, and they consume more of our time, more of our energy, more of our money, more of our focus and attention. Now, my invitation is to pray the prayer at the end of Psalm 139. And actually, Psalm 139 is an incredible antidote to idolatry because it's this gorgeous, this gorgeous poem, this gorgeous psalm that, that lays out so clearly your true worth and identity, the fact that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God is a God who loves you and pursues you. And at the very end of it, it says this. It says, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me 
and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in right worship. Lead me in freedom from idolatry. Now, may we all have the passion and zeal of Jehu because what did he do in, in this horrible massacre? Well, as the new king, he's acting on behalf of the people and he's ridding the people of the infrastructure of idolatry. All those little, all those different things where, where idolatry had worked its way into the fabric of the community and, and is corrupting the very identity of Israel. Now, it's painful when we have to do these, and it's painful to read it here. But ultimately, it does provide level ground where we can kneel, where we can come to a right place of relationship. If we accept the invitation, and if we believe this truth, the truth in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So the good news for today is that one, that God, because he sent his son, is no longer sending massacring kings to cleanse idolatry from the hearts of his people. No, instead, he's provided the Holy Spirit. He's provided that to sear your conscience. He's provided a covenant community around you to show you your blind spots. And he's presented a, a bloodless, but for the blood of his son, a bloodless way for you and I to, to clean, clean the fields of our hearts um, that they may be ready to receive his love and his peace so they might grow and flourish and we can extend that to those around us. So take heart, take hope today in this, this crazy wild story from Second Kings because it does reveal the heart of a God who is passionate about staying connected to his people and in maintaining their identity. Your identity is not what you do, not what you have. It is who you are in God. Bless you today, church.